Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Are y'all ready to go this morning? Um, a few weeks ago, I started a, a brand new series called Havoc. Everyone say Havoc. Um, havoc just means this. It means to cause great damage. And I, I started off with a message that, that I, I wanted to carry on for a few weeks, just dealing with some spiritual things happening on the planet that um, sometimes we don't know are so spiritual. Yeah, I, I believe that we're a church that needs to be full of discernment and truth and revelation. And so um, that's why I, I began this series. Uh, so I, we did one week, and I whetted your appetite, and I left for vacation. And so we actually came back to this on Wednesday night and back to it um, this morning, and then we'll, we'll do one more week. But I want to go to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, and let's go to verse 18. And I do believe this morning that you're in the right place for um, a massive moment of deliverance to happen here in, in a little bit in, in your life. Verse 18, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write. So Thyatira is probably modern-day Turkey. And this is a, a word for, um, for the church. These are the words of the Son of God. His eyes are bla- like blazing fire. His feet are like burnished bronze. Look, what, uh, look at this message to the church. I know your deeds. And we know it's good when God knows your deeds. And he starts listing some good things happening in, in that church. I know your deeds. I see your love. I see your faith. I see your service, I see your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you actually did at first. I mean, that's a good report on a church, full of love, um, full of faith. Um, They're persevering, and there's a lot of action, a lot of good activity happening, more than even when that church started. But look at verse 20, nevertheless, I have this against you. I mean, that's not what you want to hear God say. You've got all this going on, you've got it going on, but nevertheless, there's some stuff that God's not happy with. And he goes on and he tells us that you, that you, he says you tolerate. The word tolerate means you are refusing to get control of something. He says, but you are tolerating that woman, Jezebel. She calls herself a prophet. That just means she's, she's a prophet of Bel. By her teaching, she misleads my servants and she leads them into sexual immorality, um, into the eating of food sacrificed to idols. That's idolatry. I gave her time to repent, but she was unwilling. So I will cast her onto a bed of suffering, and those who are involved with her and commit adultery with her, um, they will suffer intensely unless they will repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Everybody say children. And all the other churches will know I'm the one who searches the heart, the mind, and I will repay according to those deeds. You say, why would you read that? What does that mean? What does that have to do with the here and now? Well, we see that that phrase, this woman, Jezebel. So we go back to the Old Testament, and in the book of Kings, there was a a story. uh, The Bible says there was King Ahab, and the Bible said he he had done more evil in the sight of God than any other king. And the reason for that was because he married this woman named Jezebel. She was a Phoenician princess. It was a military, uh, a political uh, uh, arranged alliance or marriage. And, and because of her, King Ahab let more evil happen than had ever happened. And the evil that happened was she brought in Baal worship. Uh, the word Baal basically means to replace the source. So what, what she brought in was she, she brought in Baal worship and Baal replaced Yahweh. And so this led, to, um, this led to Ahab allowing more evil that, than had ever happened. And she actually supported herself over 800 prophets of Baal. And at that time, Elijah the prophet was on the scene, and he prophesied her demise. He warned King Ahab. And so we see this big showdown that happened on Mount, uh, on Mount Carmel where Elijah slaughtered over half of her prophets. Um, this amazing moment where, 
where Elijah called God down. And uh, the prophets of Baal cut themselves and chanted and, and, and nothing happened. But Yahweh, who is the only true source, the only true, he is the creator. He is God. And so he showed up. And, and so Elijah slaughtered these prophets. And Jehu came on the scene, uh, dethroned Ahab, threw Jezebel over the wall of the city. And the wild dogs licked up her blood uh, and her children. That was all prophesied by Elijah. And so that's the Old Testament. Gruesome. How many know there's some gruesome stories in the Old Testament? Um, you say, well, that was, the, that was the Old Testament. Well, when you come into the New Testament, we see John the Baptist who had a spirit of Elijah on him, which is really a spirit of restoration, especially with fathers and their children. But so there's a spirit of restoration on John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had confronted Herod at the time because Herod had divorced his wife and married his sister-in-law, and he confronted him over this evil. And so Herod had, uh, he, he had married his sister-in-law, and her daughter, who was probably about 13 years old, um, began to dance seductively for her, Herod and his, his party that he's throwing. And in a drunken stupor, he says, I'll give you up to half the kingdom. He was so aroused by her dancing. And her mother said, tell him you want the head of John the Baptist. So he had John the Baptist beheaded. You say, well, what does that have to do with Jezebel? That was the spirit of Jezebel. That was the same spirit. Then we come to the book of Revelation and we see that we're being warned about this spirit once again. And here's how you know that a spirit of Jezebel is prevalent. Uh, I, I like to say it this way. Diane, can I have that microphone, please? If you remember it this way, um, the spirit of, of Jezebel manipulates, intimidates, and controls. That's MIC. That's the mic. If you give that spirit the mic in your life, it, it'll, it'll mess with you. It will mess you up. So it's a manipulating spirit. It manipulates to intimidate. It manipulates and intimidates to, to control. So don't give that spirit the what? the mic. And there are times we give that spirit the mic. We give it a voice. Uh, we give it uh, ears. We, we, we give it our attention. And so uh, Revelation warns that the church in Thyatira was actually tolerating that same spirit that was a person in the Old Testament and it was the same spirit that we see that beheaded John the Baptist. And God said, you're doing all these great things, but you're refusing to get control of a spirit of manipulation, intimidation, and, and control. And the reason why uh, I'm doing this series, and I've, I've taught on that spirit before, but something stood out to me as I was doing some reading and studying. It talks about her children. And so there's some offspring of Jezebel, some spiritual offspring. And so we started tackling those uh, a couple weeks ago. And... If you are here a few weeks ago, one of her offspring or one of her children is lust. It's a spirit of seduction. How many know there would be a spirit of seduction on the planet right now? Um, it, it's not in the back alleys anymore. It's not hidden anymore. It's um, plastered all over uh, media. It's on display in our stores. God help us, it's even at Cracker Barrel. You have to go online if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so we, we looked a few weeks ago about how not to tolerate a spirit of lust because it's a lie. If you were here Wednesday night, I talked about how not to tolerate a spirit of fear because fear is a fraud. It, and we, we, we talked about that. We dealt with that spirit on, on Wednesday night. How many were here? Wasn't that a, 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 a powerful evening? Um, so uh, look, look at verse 24. So now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, these are those who are, who are refusing to tolerate this spirit. That's you, right? Amen. That's both of you, apparently. <laughs> For the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teachings, and you have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, this is what he's saying. I, I'm not going to impose another burden on you. I just want you to hold on to what you have till I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I'm going to give authority over the nations. When you stop tolerating some of these things that we're talking about, one thing you will notice, when you stop tolerating lust in your life or fear in your life, you have authority in that area in your life. That one 
will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I've received authority from my father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit is saying. So if you refuse to tolerate these things that we're talking about in this series, what does God promise? Well, he promises you um, greater authority, greater discernment, and even greater favor. I have realized in my life the areas that I've refused to tolerate these things, I have greater authority in them. I have a greater discernment, greater favor in, in, in those, those areas. I, I've seen that happen. I've seen it in the life of our church. Um, if there's a spirit trying to manipulate, intimidate, and control, I see it so much quicker. We take authority over it. Um, and so when you don't know, you can't do that. Um, so that's why I'm giving you revelation on, on these areas. Now, as I, as I was studying the story of Jezebel, um, you would think after Elijah had this massive confrontation and this massive victory with Jezebel, um, that Elijah would be full of confidence and faith. But the next thing that we see in the life of Elijah is the Bible said that he got full of fear. After this massive victory where he took out all those prophets of Baal and he stood up to Jezebel, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah, the great prophet of faith, runs. He runs scared. He, then he, he decides he's not going to just run back to his servants. He walks further away from, leaves all of his servants, and he walks and he goes out into the desert, and then he goes and he hides in a cave. And he actually said this. He said these words. He said, I've had enough, Lord. And this, is, this was Elijah, this great prophet of faith. This is what he said to God. Let me die. I'm no better than my ancestors. How did Elijah go from standing up to Jezebel to now he's running for his life and he's scared and he wanted to die. He wanted to commit suicide. And God shows up in the cave and this is what God says to Elijah. He didn't say, oh, poor Elijah, I understand. Been there, done that. No, God showed up and he said, what are you doing here? And sometimes we get to places in our thoughts, in our lives, in our actions, in our feelings where I wonder if God would say, how did you end up thinking like this? How did you end up feeling like this? And what I want to talk to you about this morning is another one of her offspring, another one of her children, which I know is working on the planet right now. And I think as I share these and expose these to you, you're going to, you're going to understand these things that are happening. There's a lot happening on the earth. It's just not the earth happening. It's extremely spiritual. But don't get into fear. God has the last say. He will have the last say. But there's some things that I don't want you to get in condemnation about. I just want to tell you what God said. Just stop tolerating it. You can do that. So for the next few moments, so are you all ready to just get to it? Um, here, here's my title for the next few moments, that um, depression is a disease. How did Elijah go from the mountaintop on Mount Carmel to hiding in a cave and wanting to die? How did he go from destroying all these prophets of Baal and prophesying to Ahab and to Jezebel? How did he go from that to coming into fear to depression. So that's just my title, depression is a disease. And I know that's a debate. And so I started playing with that thought, is depression a disease? Um, because depression's a real thing. So, so let's define that. What, what's, what's depression? So if you looked up the word depression, um, you're going to hear it defined as something like this, um, a heavy weight of despair. A heavy weight of mental despair. So when I just say depression, I'm not talking about you're just having a bad day. But I'm talking about a heavy weight of despair on your mind. So then let's, let's what, what does the word disease mean? Disease means this, an abnormal condition that negatively affects the function of an organism. Something abnormal that affects the function of an organism. Well, if you read on what is a disease, it says it's generally associated 
with certain signs and certain symbols, or symptoms, I mean, caused by a genetic mutation for, from something on the inside or outside, some kind of internal or external pressure that's creating some type of mutation. So could it be that what we're just facing in our world today, that depression is just a disease, and we just have to accept a diagnosis? And what I do want you to do this morning is I want you just to open your heart and mind and don't defend someone you know that deals with depression. Just open your heart and mind. You, you be focused on you this morning. Because what do we hear so much about right now in our culture like we've never heard before? It's, it's mental health or mental illness. I, I was just reading some statistics recently. And they say uh, 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 one out of every five of us in America, adult-wise, we we are experiencing a mental illness. I I actually think it it might be higher than that. Uh, One out of every six students are dealing with some type of mental disorder. Between 10 to 14-year-olds, suicide is the number two killer. 15 to 24, it's number three. It's a $1 trillion global pandemic. If you think COVID was a pandemic, this is an absolute pandemic. Um, And this was interesting to me. In the transgender population, it's nine times higher. In the LBGQT or whatever those letters are, it's, it's four times higher. So think about this if you would. Disease can be physical. We know that. Um, disease can be spiritual, disease can be emotional, and disease can be mental. It, it, it absolutely can. So what, what I see happening is we're, we're watching behavior, we're dealing with symptoms, we're dealing with things that people are dealing with, we're just labeling and sticking a diagnosis on it, and we're just accepting it. And in the church world, we're missing the faith element sometimes and the deliverance element. So I guess what I'm saying to you is I'm not up here to say today that it's not a real thing, it's not a real issue, and we know that there are times there are extreme issues associated with it, um, things that have happened or addictions or things of that nature. Um, But disease or not, it's demonic. Disease or not, it's demonic. And what I want you to receive this morning is if it's something you've dealt with, no matter why you've dealt with it, um, you don't have to tolerate it because it's a demonic spirit. So, So what I'm guess trying to communicate is, is don't be condemned if you deal with something, um, but it's time not to tolerate it. Uh, that's not to say don't get help, don't get healthy. That's just saying there, there, there's something spiritual behind it. And for something spiritual to happen, there always has to be a doorway for, for that to have, have happened. Um, how many believe that God heals? How many have ever had a physical healing manifest in your life. Um, I'm I'm not going to read this scripture, but you can jot this down over in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. It talks about Jesus healing the Canaanite woman's daughter. And it says that he healed her from being vexed. Um, what, what, What that would mean to us in the New Testament, there's five different words for healing. And in this particular sense, it really meant that Jesus healed her of mental illness. He healed her of mental confusion or he healed her of mental oppression. Point being that just as Jesus heals physically, Jesus heals spiritually, Jesus heals emotionally, and Jesus can heal mentally. But one of the offspring of Jezebel is lust. Another is just extreme fear. Uh, I told you this on Wednesday. There are only two fears you're born with. The fear of a loud noise or the fear of falling. Every other fear in your life is acquired. How many of you have ever just been walking along and you heard a loud noise? What'd you do? 
you weren't like, eh. <laughs> That's a fear that comes and goes. But the ones that come and they linger, you know, the, the, the fear of falling, well, those, those are given to you by God to protect you. Some of them paralyze you. Depression is a part of fear and it's paralyzing. It's paralyzing. And there are different extremes um, to it. You, you, you said you like when I deal with deep stuff. So we'll just deal with this this morning. Can I, can I, put, some, uh, can I put a slide up for you? Uh, let, let me walk you through some, I just call them mindset principles. And, and, and I want, I, if you will, I'm just telling you, take a picture of it. If you will get this, there could be a little light bulb go off. I'll see it happen all over the place. The first is the law of first mention. Here's what that is. The first time you heard information on any particular topic, now get this, is the perspective you will keep forever. It becomes your lens for truth going forward in your life. Whatever you heard about relationship at first, whatever you heard about your, your um, identity at first, whatever you heard about love, the first time in your life something was mentioned to you on any particular topic, that's your point of view for the rest of your life. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, that was my wife who just said, wow. Think about the importance of that. Whatever message was communicated to you on whatever topic, the first time it was communicated to you, it became your mindset there going forward. So the reasons why you think the way you do 20 years later has to do with the first time you heard it. How I, I, I many you know that's, that's revelatory? Um, now, just let me say this to you. What you heard at first may not have been accurate, but it's still your lens of truth going forward. What you, whatever was communicated to you at first, you carried it with you, and it could be fake news. The law of habit. Here's what that means. Um, your mind thinks in what they call pathways, and your mind takes the pathway of least resistance. So whatever you heard at first and you keep hearing as a habit, your pathway becomes a super highway. And those messages travel back and forth, back and forth habitually. And because they're habitual, your mind goes to sleep and it's like a hamster on a wheel. Same thoughts over and over. Are, are you getting this? And the law of substitution says this. You can only think one thing at a time. And you're thinking over and over and over. That's what you first heard. And over and over, it's a habit. The law of substitution says you can only think one at a time. But what you can do is substitute one thought for the other and change the outcome. So get with me. Message you first heard became a habit in your life. And that's the way you're going to think going forward. And you're stuck in that thought process. You're stuck in that. You're stuck in that. Unless there can be a thought that is substituted and will change the outcome. I'm going to get there in a minute. But if there is not new news, and if there is not something that happens, guess what? What you first heard will be what you continue to hear, and, and you'll, you'll just carry that with you. If it was fake news, you have a habit of fake news, and unless something substitutes to give you new news or real news or truth, you have super highways, large pathways going on. And uh, does that make sense? Could it be something said to you, over you, or you heard way back when, first mentioned 40 years later? It's become a super highway in your life. That you are not good enough. You are not smart enough. We didn't want you. You are unloved. You're this way because X, Y, Z. It's become a super highway in your, in your life. Man, something has to substitute that thinking. I mean, no, that's not good news. How about, how about we just get some good news here? Because what needs to happen is those thoughts need to be recognized. They need to be removed and they need to be replaced. Amen. 
So let's just talk about, um, let's just stop tolerating depression. Because some of you know what it's like to, to be stuck on that super highway of depression. It started as a pathway, now it's a super highway, and you're stuck. You're stuck. And God says, stop tolerating the spirit, because it's a sp- depression is a spirit. Look at the expert elbow and said, that's right, right there. That's good right there. It's a spirit. And it's not from God. If it's not from God, you have no obligation. I'm just teaching you this morning. My uncle told me years ago, if people don't know, you have to teach it. If they do know and they're not doing it, then you preach it. I usually land somewhere in between that mixture. All right, let's make some life points. Are you ready? Life point one, we're talking about stop tolerating that spirit. If God didn't think you couldn't do it, he wouldn't say, do it. Now he's not saying, what's wrong with you? You, Now he's just saying, I want you to stop tolerating it. I'm going to help you. Ready? Here's how we stop tolerating it. No matter how level, whatever, and I know depression is is paralyzing, um, but what I'm saying to you is the same God that can heal your body, can heal your thinking. All right, just... Say, like, get on with it, homie. Here we go. All right. Uh, life point one, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. I'm glad you're here today, honey, because you're the only one amening anything I'm saying. <laughs> pay attention. Everyone say, pay attention. You know how many times my wife has to look at me and say, would you pay attention? <laughs> Now's not the time to be saying things. <laughs> Just on the good points. But think about that. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Listen, this is going to help you. We all go through seasons where we feel weak. But just because you go through a season or, 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 or you're dealing with something and it makes you feel weak, hear this. You're not weak. You're not a victim. I'll prove it to you. What did Paul say? Even when you're weak, you're strong. What I'm saying is, even if you're dealing with something, you're still strong. Because if you deal with it without Jesus, you're weak. You deal with it with Jesus, no matter how weak you feel, you're not a victim. But depression wants to make you feel like a victim. You're not spiritual enough, or you wouldn't be dealing with this. You're not good enough. That, that, that's not the point. The point is, even if you're dealing with a weakness, you're still strong. Say, so how can you preach that? Paul said it. Paul said it. Have you ever felt weak? What follows weakness? You're not, well, I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. Even though I know Jesus loves me. And you feel like a victim. When you came to Jesus, you're no longer a victim. He was never a victim. He wasn't even a victim on the cross. He went to the cross as a victor. He came off the cross as a victor. No one took his life. He offered it. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. What if I said this to you? You ready? You are only limited by your thinking. You're only limited by what you're thinking. You're not limited by what happened to you, only what your thinking is about it. Because what's the pressure? Well, then why'd this happen? Must not be living right. Must not deserve better. Here we go again. You know why you thought that? Because you had that first mention years ago. You're drawn to what you think about the most. So your life follows your thoughts. How many know that's scary right there? Your life follows your thoughts. So what you're paying attention to, your life will follow. Don't look at me so spiritual this morning. What you're thinking about, your life will follow. You move in the direction of your most consistent thoughts. And those thoughts are either helping you or they're hurting you. Guess who's in charge of your thinking? Even if they're invasive, I'll get to that in a moment. But think about that. Your life's moving in the direction of what you're allowing yourself to think on the most. And that usually happened because of what you thought about first that has become a superhighway in your life. 
Now, I thought this statement was amazing. I came up with, with it myself. Okay, your heart is a garden. How many would agree with that? Your heart's the garden of your life. But your mind is a nest. Um, we, we have, we, we, for some reason in our house, so we have this, it was an artificial tree. It's about, I don't know, it's taller than me. It's probably six and a half feet tall. And um, we just got tired of it being in the house, so we just stuck it on the porch um, we put some lights on it. We plugged it in. It's awesome. It's over in the corner of our porch behind our swing. And over the last two years, we've had like, what, 10 to 12 birds build nests in this tree. <laughs> Obviously, these aren't the smartest birds. It's not a real tree. I think I figured it out because where it sits, it's a little protected. Yeah. And um, so my youngest daughter, or both my daughters, they started naming the birds. And we can stand up on our window, we can watch them be hatched, we can watch them feed, and it it's, it's just goes on and on. The, the last couple months, I saw something that was really strange. There were two nests in the tree, a dove on the top and a robin in the middle at the same time. And here's what I noticed, though. Like, I would walk out the front door, and you would have to watch because the robin would be so scared, it would just... Boom. I mean, it would go right over your head. And although I knew it was there, it got me every time. <laughs> Just like you were dive bombing. Like, oh! Because it would get scared. It would leave those eggs. Boom. Yep. But you know what? I did notice the dove. I could peck on the window. I could walk up. And it, it's not going to leave. I started thinking about that. Um, the robin is like the devil. He'll mess with you and he's out. But the Bible says one of the signs of the Holy Spirit is a dove. And he will remain with you through all of that. That's not really in my notes, but what I was getting at was the, our mind just becomes a nest. We build a nest and it gets filled with things on what we're paying attention to. This is Romans chapter 12, and I know you know this. I, I, I got to keep moving. But Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't conform or do not conform. It actually should be worded this way. Stop conforming to the pattern or the habits of this world. Depression is a habit of this world. It's a global pandemic. It's a habit. All you got to go say is, uh, uh, to, to, to someone say, I'm depressed, and they will, they will hook you up with some kind of diagnosis. The Bible actually says this, stop conforming to everything in this world. Can I, can I stop for a moment? Um, stop trying to fit in. You don't fit in anymore. The moment you became a Christ follower, you just don't fit the mold anymore. You don't think the same, drink the same, look the same, walk the same, talk the same. But it says, instead, be transformed. Um, that, that's the Greek word for metamorphosis, or our word for metamorphosis. You know, um, what's that thing called? A caterpillar goes into a cocoon, comes out a butterfly. That's what this word means. You're thinking before, depression is like that ugly caterpillar. The cocoon is the word of God, and you'll come out like a butterfly. Now, remember, what you heard first becomes a superhighway of a habit, but you can take a thought, substitute it for another, and change the outcome. That's, what, that, that's, that's psychology, but that's this scripture. Be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve the will of God, the good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. This is something we got to continue to do every day. Let God change our stinking thinking. Let God alter our thinking. You can't stay in the word and stay depressed. You can't. Try it. I dare you. No, I dare you. Y'all know that scripture. Let me give you another scripture. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. And, everyone say and. And be constantly renewed. How often? All the time. Constantly renewed. Why? Because you heard something years ago. You need to be constantly renewed because it was fake news, wrong news. 
Be constantly what? Renewed. Look what? In the spirit of your mind. Amplified says have a fresh mental and spiritual what? Attitude. So it's not just getting some different information. It's being upgraded by the spirit of your mind. How many have one of these? They call them a smartphone. How many like, I, 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 I know some of you like, my, my dad has, has a cell, I don't even know why he has a cell phone. He just turns it on like once or twice a day and turns it right back off. He has a dumb phone. Okay. So, but you may have the latest version, but we always want to upgrade the latest version. I want you to know that these are useful. There's X amount of memory on this, but it's limited until you connect to the Wi-Fi, until you connect to the signal, until you, what, connect, you, you get what I'm saying? Then the possibilities are what? Endless. Your mind on information has X amount of space or X amount of information, but when you connect it to the Word of God, it's like you have a whole different signal. You have a whole different, you have a different tower working. You have a, a, a different signal. So it's not just thinking different, it actually becomes believing different. Well, I'm just going to think myself. No, you can't just think yourself. you got to believe. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Start thinking depression. Pay attention to where it's coming. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you this. I told my wife this morning. But I, I, I'm on my way here, and my mind is, you would not believe the depressing things that started hitting me. I know because that's what I'm about to get to speak to. I told her, my mind is like, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, I got to pay attention to what I'm paying attention to. Just because the thought's there, a challenge is there, it's not who I am. It's a spirit. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. I got to keep moving. You ready for this? How many thought that was good? You can pay attention. Stop tolerating. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Number two, be careful what you're claiming. Be careful what you're claiming. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to, and be careful what you're claiming. I, I, I just want to say this to you. I, I'm not against science. I'm not against medicine. All that stuff started with God anyways. But what I am saying, just be careful what you're claiming. I've been down, went to the doctor. They told me I got this. Okay. So you're walking around, I got this, I'm this. And you're owning stuff that you shouldn't be owning. So instead of it being a season of working through something, it becomes a lifetime label on you. Yeah, you're dealing with a weakness right now. Yeah, you're dealing with something. But God will bring you through it. Sometimes we get broken in the process. God, God, God doesn't want you just to get to it. He wants you to get through it. He's going to bring you through it. Sometimes we get broken in pieces, stuff I have to break off of. Point is, God will break you through. Just be careful that you don't just stick the label on yourself. Are, are you hearing me? Yeah. I, I know this is not. Could, could it be that God's trying to get a lot more good stuff in us, and there's only so much space but we got to make some room for the good stuff. Did you hear that? we got to make some room for the good stuff. God's trying to get some good stuff in there, but we're so full of the other stuff, we need to remove some stuff. How many of you can get crowded? Hey, you, you start falling in love with Jesus, start getting in a faith-filled church, start getting some more revelation and grace and healing and favor, it'll start getting crowded up here and something has to go. You either have to disbelieve something or make some room for something else. We got to clear out the negative. Whoa, that, that, was, that, was, that was for real. Look at someone and say, you only have room for so much up here. Some of you, it's crowded. Remember, remember the 12 spies? God said, go take the land. They sent some spies out. The worst thing you could do is when God, when God says something, the worst thing you could do is take survey. 
God said, go take the land. I'm giving it to you. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of bondage. I'm sending you to Canaan. Let's send some spies out. Just check it out. So they sent 12 spies out. 10 came back and said, the land is just like he said, but there are giants in the land. And we are like grasshopper in their eyes. Joshua and Caleb, who the Bible said had a different spirit, they had a renewed spirit, and it said, they said, we, we should go now before we, we get stuck in survey. Because God said, you're free, you're healed, you're delivered, and you want to take survey. You want to take survey. And so because they took survey, y'all, they got stuck for 40 years in the desert across the river from the promised land. It took them 40 years and they should have done it in like a week. Why? Because they took, don't take survey, put your belief in what he says. Anyone remember cassettes? (laughs) You know, they had the play button, the record button, the search button, but you remember what they also had? The delete button. How many of you ever take a poll? How many of you ever made a mixtape and it was awesome? Remember, you had to listen to it on the radio. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. The rest of you, and you, had, you would hit record real quick, and you record your favorite song, and then the DJ would start talking and run the whole tape. Y'all remember that? But you got your songs on there, and it, did you ever happen to accidentally push the delete button and you erase like your song? Do you know you have a delete button that the Word of God needs to start deleting some stuff? I'll just warn you with this. I, I got to keep moving. Um, you, you will never reach your destiny with just allowing this negative thinking. I came up with something else on my own. You want to hear it? Um, no one can make you believe a certain way without your permission. No, no, no one can make you believe a certain way without your permission. 2 Corinthians says this, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war like the world does. Though we live in the world, we don't deal with depression like the world does. We don't deal with lust like the world deals with lust. We don't deal with fear like the world deals with fear. The weapons we fight with, they're they're not just of the world. On the contrary, the way we deal with it has divine power to demolish strongholds. And depression is a stronghold. It's one of Jezebel's children. We demolish every argument. Depression is an argument. It's an argument against the will of God. It's an argument against the ways of God. It's an argument against what God says about you. We demolish arguments and every pretension that self sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive some of the thoughts. And we bring them obedient. Oh, all of them. I know I've taught you this before, but what that means is, this is what that means. We take the word of God and we interrogate our thoughts with the word of God. It actually means you put them at spirit point. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Be careful what you're claiming. Um, you say, well, how, how, how do I do it? Because thoughts, thoughts are silent words. Thoughts are silent words. Um, you don't have to agree with them. But, but what, you do, what you do need, here's how you, you take thought, you, you interrogate it with the word, and, and then you do something that every one of you can do, you open your mouth and claim what God says. I'm going to talk to this side. You open your mouth and you claim what God says. So when that thought starts telling you how discouraged you are, how depressed you are, how every, everything's working for everybody else, they look better than you do, they have better than you, oh, you're never going to, you, you, you don't entertain the thought, you don't reason with the thought. You don't like, yeah, you know, you're right. I just don't feel it. You open up your mouth and you rebuke it. You open up your mouth and you say what God says. The Bible says for a spirit of heaviness, put on your praise. You, you know what to do when you're feeling oppressed. That means to be vexed in your mind with those thoughts. You know what you do? You do what? You defeat a spirit with the opposite spirit. So when you're down and depressed and that's coming at you, what you do is you open the drapes, you put on some worship, and you open your mouth, and you say what God says. And that's so hard. (laughs) Yeah, because you're fighting. 
a spirit. That's why it's hard. If you reason with it, you fuel it. Do the opposite. Open the curtains, open the drapes, turn off the country music, and put some praise on. You get your dog back, you get your wife back. You say what he says until you feel it. He said, but I've been under attack. I must be doing something wrong. You're probably under attack because you're doing it right. You're probably under attack because you're believing right. You're probably under attack because you're getting a hold of something you never got a hold of before. You got to take the word and substitute it. It'll change the outcome. So what you heard at first may have been fake news and it became a habit in your life, but the habit doesn't have to remain. I, I, I got to, can I give you the last point? So pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Be careful what you claim. And this is going to be controversial, but um, let meditation be your medication. Now, don't run out of here and say, Pastor, and said I'm not supposed to take my meds. No. You, you take your meds till you get free, till you get healed, okay? Everybody, but um, if, the, if, if you went to a doctor for something, he's going to say, um, I'm going to give you a prescription. You just go get it. But what if we just took the word like that? That's what God said. I'm going to take it. Don't take survey. Don't wonder if it's going to work. I, I will, I'll make you a money back guarantee. No matter how long it takes or what it feels, the word of God cannot return void. If you are speaking the word of God over your kids, it will eventually work. If you're speaking the word of God over your marriage, it will eventually work. If you're speaking the word of God over your body, it will eventually work. It doesn't return without result. It doesn't return without power working. Why? It's the seed of the word of God. It's the mentality of God. It's the way of God. It's the word of God. It cannot, it is not impotent. Is that the word? It is not impotent. It is full of the potential and promise of God. That's why you should keep saying it. Even if you don't feel it, say it. But God said, but God said. I feel down about, but God said, but God said, but God said. I, I'm a firm believer that you can believe and confess and walk your way out of things in life. You're just talking about positive confession. Well, when you preach, when you speak the word, it happens to be positive. Now, I, I'm not, it's not to say you don't, I mean, we've got life coaches, we've got counselors, we've got diagnosis, we've got online courses, we, there's a pill for every ill. And I'm not saying, get me, I'm not saying that those don't have their place, but I'm just saying we elevate those in the words here. Using both, the word works you out. That's just smart faith. Okay, let me give you a scripture. Y'all ready? This is Joshua chapter one, two verses. Only, did y'all get that? No other options. Only be strong and very courageous. That means only get full of faith. That you would observe to do everything in the law that Moses commanded you to do. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so you would prosper wherever you go. Set your flint, set your gate. Don't be turning. You know what turning means? That's the yeah buts. Yeah, but I feel, no, you just, I'm going to be strong in the word, I'm full of faith on what God says. I'm not going to turn from it. That's what we need in this hour and this day that we're in. Now, look at this. In the book of the law, that's the word of God, um, the words of Jesus. Don't let them depart out of your brain. What? Oh, yeah. Where? Your mouth. Where do you keep the word of God? Well, I put it up here. I read it. No. Here. I know you know this, but the Bible said the word of God is a two-edged sword. What that means is it came out of the mouth of God, got in your heart, and when it comes out of your mouth, it's two-edged. It, it goes from theory and potential to power and promise. Every time you speak the word of God, 
it's, it's you getting agreement with God. It's powerful. The Bible said it'll cut through spirit, soul, and body. It'll affect all three dimensions of your life. Y'all doing all right? Um, and look what it says. And you should meditate. Everyone say meditate. On it like every once in a while. Oh, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Meditate on it day and night. You know what the med- word meditate means? I- I've taught you this before that when a cow chews its cud, it chomps it, it swallows it, regurgitates it, blah, 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 it's gross. But there's, there's more to that definition of meditate. If, if you look it up, the original, it does mean that, but it also means this, to growl and declare. Here's what that means. Take the word of God, growl over it, and declare it. You know how it is? You read something. All the stocks are down. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. What if you took the word of God? I'm a champ, not a chump. I'm victorious and everything. I'm, I'm, the Bible says I'm victorious. I don't feel victorious, but the Bible says I'm victorious. So I'm going to be victorious. I'm victorious. Growl and declare. Growl and declare. Well, the Bible says I'm healed. I don't feel healed. My bones hurt. My knees hurt. My ankles hurt. Blah, blah, blah. But he says I'm healed. So I'm healed. I'm healed. <laughs> growl and declare. Growl and declare. I'll take the word in and growl the word. I'll declare the word. So you can observe it to do all according that is written in it. Guess what happens? Your way is prosperous and you have good what? Success. But look what that last verse says. It doesn't say God will make your way prosperous or God will make your way successful. It says, for then you will make your way prosperous and successful. Guess who has something to do with how well things go? Well, it's luck. No. Well, it depends on the family you come from. Depends on your education. Depends on what neighborhood you come from. No, that's all the fake news you heard. That's what you've been believing. But the Bible says you growl on the word and declare the word, then it makes your way successful. I'm going to growl on the word, declare the word, do the word, and it's going to actually make my way successful. I brought something with me here. Um, a few years ago, I was in the Dominican. If you've ever been to the DR, um, not, not, not the vacation DR, but the rest of the DR, everybody wears these. It's what they work with. It's what they fight with. It, no lie, you will just drive through the DR and see people missing arms. I don't know how we got these through customs, but somehow we did. Because here the, here's the deal. You've been thinking up and down that super highway been habitual and for many of you it's been full of depression but it's easy to go up and down it's that hamster wheel it's cyclic negative thinking is cyclic negative living is cyclic discouragement oppression for some has become cyclic what reason I brought this out is because when you start to growl and declare some stuff it's like pulling out the word of God as a machete and going through the jungle and cutting through the brush because it's not your super highway yet. It's that you're cutting a new path because all you ever heard was you're supposed to be poor and now you're hearing God wants to prosper you. You got to cut through some stuff. Religion told you that, uh, you know, God put sickness on you. You got to cut through some stuff. Religion told you, somebody told you, you're never going to be good enough. You're never loved enough. And you got to cut through some stuff that Jesus is saying. You got to cut through some roots, some stuff from yesterday, some stuff from back then. And it's not fun. It's some work, but the word always works. You got to cut through sickness. You got to cut through dis- the pr- you got to praise your way through oppression. You got to declare your way through some challenges. Man, it's hot and sweaty, and it's like work. And it's easier to be depressed. That's what Israel said. Can we just go back to Egypt? Because they were thinking like slaves. But if you, if you could see the way Joshua and Caleb saw it, the land is full of milk. There's a, there's a better there's a better thing. We should go up now. But it's uncomfortable. The problem is in the church today, we want promises and comfort without going through some discomfort and some breaking points to break through some stuff. 
Consistency is the key to change. God wants to change your stinking thinking. He just wants you to cooperate. He just wants you to cooperate. So no matter what it is, but your mind's been a nest. And some of the eggs there are just, it's depression. But if I told you it's not for you because it's a spirit, that means it's not the spirit of God. You can be liberated from it. Absolutely be liberated from it. What if I told you that that liberation could start right here, right now? But then you got to walk it out. The reason why I preach all this other stuff, we can pray and lay hands on you. We always do. But you got to walk some stuff out when you leave here. Because I'm not going to be there in the morning and be like, you ready? In Jesus' name. Call me at lunch. In Jesus' name. Stop and buy before you go to bed. You ready? Tuck you in. In Jesus' name. <laughs> There's place for that. But then you got to walk it out. Sometimes you got to tuck yourself in. Come on. Come on. Come on. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Sometimes you got to declare some stuff. Pastor, this is hard. Now, I'm not making light. Please, I'm being funny. Um, when things get serious, I get funny. Ask anybody that knows me. Um, but what I want you to get so much is that, um, um, I'll just say it this way. Uh, I want you to make a deal this morning. It's okay for you to forfeit depression. It's okay for you to forfeit it. And like I've said about the other things, for some of you, just like lust, just like fear we talked about Wednesday, for some of you, depression is a distraction. Sometimes you deal with it and it's distracting. It's just been a distraction. For others of you, it's been a detour. It's gotten you off track at times. It's led you down wrong ways or different. But for some of you, it's been more than a distraction and it's been more than a detour. It's been a continuous dead end. And the news is, we're not here to label whichever one has been. It's just to say, um, distraction, a delay, or a dead end, um, it's, it's just, it's time for it to be defeated in your life. It's time for it to be defeated. It's time for it to be defeated. It's time for it to be defeated. It's time for it to lose. Lose some traction. It's time for it to lose some roots. Comfort to lose some roots. Anyone thankful for the word of God? Whatever it is in your life, here's when the devil has an advantage. When you're in ignorance over it or you're stuck in darkness. That's his home field turf. But when you put revelation and you put light on it and you bring it out into the light, it can be defeated. No one may have ever told you you don't have to be stuck in depression. But I got a lot to be depressed about because you're paying attention to those things too much. If I read your mail, if you know, I, I, I know I always have to say this. We're a church. We're not a courtroom. We all got stuff. But if you, if you just be brave enough to say, Pastor, and I, this is just, maybe you didn't deal with something else much, but, but you just say, I, I really do. I've struggled with depression. Would you stand up? Would you stand up? Yeah. It's okay. It's actually very okay that you stand up in this room. It's actually very okay. Actually, if you're standing, can you just come up here? Can you just make your way up here? I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm, I'm going to lay my hands on you because I believe that the root power of that thing needs, needs to, the Holy Ghost needs to deal with it for a moment. And you walk out of here and you just keep focusing on those things. Yeah, can, can you guys give my hand? I mean, it takes a lot to walk up here.
my, my wife's going to help me. I, I'm going to lay hands on you. It doesn't mean that a crazy thought's not going to come and knock, but when it does knock, you, you need to remind it of this moment. This moment. Yeah, the rest of you, you could go ahead and stand. And we're all, we're all going to make a confession together. And then I, I'm just going to lay hands on you. It's what the Bible says to do. There's an anointing that transfers when that happens. Are you happy for these people that are up here? Man, I, I'm so pumped for you. I, I want us all to, man, we're just going to, I'm tired of the devil. I'm so tired of what he's doing in our world. It, it, you know, the world is full of the devil. Don't be surprised when they act like their father. But don't be surprised when we act like our father. When we act like our father, we get delivered. <laughs> we get full of joy. We get full of happiness. Let's all say this together. Y'all ready? And those of you who are up here, you mean this with everything that's in you. Let's all put a hand to heaven. Let's say this. I recognize I have allowed negative thinking to direct my life. I repent of tolerating that spirit of depression on my life. I renounce its place in my mind, my heart, and my life. And I commit to removing this negative thinking and replacing it with God's thoughts. I am victoriously relying on the power of his spirit and his word to live in victory. I declare I'm a brand new creation with a confident heart, confident mind, and confident destiny. I will live in my God-given freedom and power over the enemy in his strategy of depression for my life. Uh, we're going to worship and sing this song. I'm going to pray for you guys. Father, I thank you.